When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. You're a growing business, which means you need every spare hour you can find. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens, with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate. No coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. From iHeart Podcast, I am Fab Five Freddy, and this is 50 Years of Hip Hop Podcast Series. It's now time to get into hip hop's most beloved, embraced, cherished, and remembered period known as the Golden Era. So this is loosely, let's say, from the mid-late 80s into the mid-late 90s. Many greats are going to come on in a minute and share their interpretation, their version, those artists that did it for them and all these significant things that made the golden era what it is. This was an incredible growth period for hip-hop culture. The seeds, the roots, if you've been plugged into this podcast, these previous episodes, those roots, those things that went down in New York City, particularly in the Bronx and up in Manhattan, those roots went deep. Yeah, they got to go really deep in the ground and then they begin to bear fruit. And this golden era, some of the best fruit, the molds were created. Some of the most impactful artists, solo and group hit the scene and exploded all over this entire planet. A real fruitful period. Once again, the golden era. And I'm talking about the producers and the visuals that went along with these records. A very important point that I had a heavy hand in. So I'm going to chime in throughout and drop a little info about that. You know, the music videos was real important, y'all. But right now, let's take it back like an 8-track and let's get into the golden era. Dan Charnas, author and educator. Let me tell you what a golden age is. All right? Here is the equation. It is the era of the firsts that last. The golden era, any golden age, is when we see the firsts that actually last. So what do I mean by that? Sugar Hill was the first record label to essentially make its business based on hip hop, but they did not last. Def Jam was the first hip-hop label 
by hip hop fans for hip hop fans. And it lasted because it was that, right? So when we think about a golden era, look for the firsts that last. The Source wasn't the very first hip hop magazine, but it was the first that lasted. Run DMC weren't the first hip hop stars, really, but they were the first that actually lasted. On and on and on, right? If you want to talk about institutions, that's what I look for. Golden era of hip hop to me, thusly begins around maybe 85, 86, 87. For me, it's more 87 because that is when hip hop comes into its own as a musical form. Because before then, it sounded a lot like funk and R&B. You know, especially if you listen to the early uh, Sugar Hill records. But once Marley and Rick started making records with pieces of other records, hip hop began not only becoming its own, it began influencing other genres. When did the golden era end? Well, it ended when sort of more people got access to this and it became well-moneyed, right? So I think the end of the golden era for me probably is around the mid-90s. I mean, you might even want to say like the deaths of Tupac and Biggie probably, you know, are the end of that first era of of that golden era of hip-hop. But then the golden era yields to the platinum era, right? Then we have new criteria. The criteria of the golden era also is not solely commercial. The criteria of a golden era is is just as much creative-based as it is commercially-based. It's not about who's hot. It's also about who's doing some new sh- Who's blowing people's wigs back? And I think that became less important, at least in mainstream hip hop, to the late 90s. Not saying that there weren't new things. I think also that's when the center shifted. The South started to do some really incredible stuff towards the end of the 90s, early 2000s. I'm going to disagree with my friend Dan Charnis just a bit on his description right here. Sugar Hill Records, they were more about rap. It really wasn't hip-hop culture just yet. They was really just trying to get a buck. They played an important role, but this really wasn't hip-hop. You know what I mean? They were a rap label. And the ideas that became hip-hop were still being formed at that point in time, but it was soon going to hit and hit hard. Also, Dan, good point about the platinum era. (laughs) Ralph McDaniels, co-creator of New York's pioneering show, Video Music Box, and currently the hip-hop coordinator for the Queens Public Library. There was definitely a shift from the 80s to the 90s in hip-hop because I think that the environment was different or the environment was affecting what was happening. You know, when you have crack and all of these different, and the, the government, you know, Reagan, Reaganomics, and all of this type of stuff happening, it changes you know, how people react. Kids are getting locked up for crazy numbers, you know, in the 80s. And, you know, it's just a fight. It's a war going on outside with the police and the community. You know, you're going to be like, your perspective on things is a lot different, you know? And your the way you the way you talk about it on music or talk about it in general in the corner or in the barbershop, you got a different feeling about it. You got a little edge on your shoulder by the time the 90s come because you got your ass beat. 
quite too often. Kid Capri. Because in the 80s, it was more conscious. You had Tribe Called Quest, KRS-One, Rakim, Big Daddy Kane, dudes were speaking conscious rap. When the 90s came, it became two things. It became dressed up rap and it became gangster rap. One made more money than the other because sex, violence, and drugs sell, right? I'm telling you conscious and you a kid from the hood, you ain't Shut up, I don't hear Because you ain't seen no other way out. You go about what you live through. And what you live through, your conscious conscious talk that you're saying does isn't conducive to what you're living. So you don't want to hear that. Even though it's the right thing to listen to, you don't want to hear that. You want to hear what's conducive to you, the gangster Fat Joe. It's when Nasty Nas was born. You know, Nasty Nas came out. It's like sneaker Uzi on the island in my only jacket lining with it. You know, it's a Nas. Just like that defining moment where I tell you Run DMC shifted the sound, Nas shifted the sound and made it so that you had to really be lyrical if you wanted to survive in that era. There was no more playing games. I remember I was terrified because I was out before Nas and I had Flojo. It's crazy because every time I... Hang out with Nas. Nas be like, y'all, Slow Joe. To them, Slow Joe was dope. But if you listen to my lyrics, I was saying like, boss it, check it, watch how I wreck it. Like, my lyrics was trash, man. And it's like, when Nas came out, it was like, wow, it shifted the whole game. But at the same time, it made me step my game up. You know, I had to study him and everybody was dropping lyrics, Coogee Rap, all of them, to step my lyrics up. Otherwise, I knew I wouldn't survive that era of hip-hop. And so that's when that shift came. When Nas came out, that was the shift that changed the sound. And then we got, like, intelligent hustlers like a Jay-Z talking that reasonable doubt. So that's when I think the shift came. Yeah, Fat Joe, but I want you to know, baby, Flow Joe was my joint. You came hard, you came strong. And even though you wasn't you wasn't crazy lyrical with it, you had an incredible image at the time that was much needed in hip hop. And that was important. DJ Envy, radio personality and host of The Breakfast Club. And I never want to diss anybody from any era, but it was, I don't want to say it was easier because I'm not a rapper, but I would say lyrically, the 90s and 2000s especially 90s and 2000s they challenged themselves a lot more I would think that's from leaders like Nas leaders like Hove leaders like you know Gangstar leaders like you know Biggie you know who challenged that that wordplay Shaheem Reed music journalist it was a shift in the culture you know like in the early in the late 80s early 90s it was a lot more Afrocentric you know, you would see people with the, the African medallions and you had to get your African medallion from, from Jamaica Ave or Fulton Street or 125th Street in Harlem. Even NWA, they, they had a record called Express Yourself and Primetime Public Enemy, Primetime KRS-One, Boogie Down Production. Even though Boogie Down Production, they, they were spinning that gangster stuff too. But, you know, when The Chronic came out, Definitely, that gangster music started getting popular. I don't think Ice Cube gets enough credit for what he did. I, I think people sleeping on what Cube did with 
America's Most Wanted Death Certificate, two of the greatest albums ever made, but for somebody to come back to back with those and, and kill at will as well, you know, Cube was on the forefront. It, it was just the hardest shift to the streets, like when the 90s start coming, like you had hard stuff in, in the 80s though, but it just, it was just more prevalent in, in the 90s, man. And, and I think that is because the towers was gone through, you know, crack started bubbling in the 80s and look what happened like in the 90s and in turn of the 90s, you had New Jack City. Like it, it, it got really serious. Without a doubt, following my man Shaheem, it's really important aspect of the golden era was the diversity. I mean, so many groups, so many artists coming from different places, different parts of the country. You know what I'm saying? Bringing different flavors, different styles. I'm talking gangster, conscious, some with humorous, you know, with a sense of humor. We had that jazzy flavor. And once again, that conscious flavor was real important and real strong at a time that we, we really needed to kind of see and hear what my man KRS-One had to say with my philosophy, a video I was proud to direct his debut, you know, X-Clan, you know what I'm saying? And of course, like Public Enemy, fighting the power, so necessary. And then once again, I just want to, you know, toot my own horn because a key part of all this, once again, kicking off in 1988 as this golden era is really, really raging, Yo MTV Raps, you know, played a key part because um, radio still was not on hip hop at the time. And so we felt our mission at Yo MTV Rap, realizing that we were the largest window into the culture, was to represent to the fullest and show what was really happening in a, in a diverse and an interesting way. Because it couldn't just be us showing what was going on in New York. So we were looking and aggressively giving, giving light to those flavors that were coming from different states around the country. Sir Mix-a-Lot, rapper, songwriter, record producer. LL was my probably for a long time like my face. I used to try to mimic him. You know, you get in the you get in the mirror and be like, you can rearrange, but you don't have the brains to arrange scratch pattern for you try to mimic him. And I'm like, nah, I can't do that shit. Now he, his delivery was sinister and the way they rolled all the bottom in out of out of his voice, so it sounded like a menacing character in a movie. Yeah, so I'm gonna say the late 80s, early 90s, that was to me. And I know I'm shooting myself in the foot. They're like, well, wait a minute. You peaked out after that. I'm like, yeah, but I, I'm sorry. I'm a hip hop fan first. And, and I tour with them guys, man. It's, it's, I'm looking up, I'm out on the road with Chuck D, Ice T, EPMD, Eric B and Rakim. I'm like, well, actually Eric B was not with us. It was just Rakim. But especially when I met Rakim, man, he actually asked me a question about publishing. I'm like, Rakim just asked me. I'm like, wow, he does Rakim. You know what I mean? So I gave him what he needed. I gave him a phone number and I hope he got his paper because that's the GOAT, man. Hakeem Green, rapper and cannabis enthusiast. My golden era of hip hop would be 86 to 1990. No tricks in 86, it's time to build. Um, 1988 is a great, the greatest year in hip hop. You got Slick Rick, KRS-One with Boogie Down Productions. You got Public Enemy. You got, you know, X-Clan. You got, you just got so much. Got so much. You got Big Daddy Kane, who was my favorite rapper in 1988. 88's the greatest year of hip-hop. Kane was my favorite rapper in 1988. You had so much um, awareness and consciousness in it. It was still so pure in the approach of it, in the integrity of it. We were having fun with it. We were learning from it. 
that was just it, it was everything um I, I would say prior to that like the the foundation of it like it set the model it set the mode never want to take away from anything before that or anything after but for me 1986 to 1990 and plus in 87 I went to college so you know when you growing up as a as a man you know in New York City you know it's like that's the soundtrack crossing over into manhood so that's why those MCs especially mean so much to me Chris Chuck Kane Rakim um, I'm gonna throw LL in there Coogee Rap Slick Rick man Brother J who doesn't get enough credit Kwame Rapper and record producer. Golden Era is from 1986 to 1992. And I'm firm on that. Because from 86 to 92, it was DNA making. The things that were made in 86 to 92 is the current DNA of hip hop. It was the time we started seeing the jewelry. It was the time we started putting fashion forward. It was the time uh, we started incorporating samples. It was the time where lyrics got out of message raps and party raps and started getting extremely lyrical like the precursors to the extremely lyrical people they keep on you know they want to give it to like Rakim and I you know, I understand that but you cannot forget Kumal D and Tila Rock they were the precursors they were the the spark that lit the Cool G rap and the Rakim flame that spawned modern rap Rap never was the same after 1986, Eric B for president, my melody. It never was the same. And all rappers followed the Kumo D, Tila Rock blueprint. And nobody want to ever mention it. That's the funny thing. But like you listen to even LL being super lyrical. If you listen to LL style on my radio and rock the bell, which ushers in the golden era as well, especially rock the bells. Ushers in the golden era. His whole flow is 100%. Tila Rock, it's yours. It's it's 100%. You can flow for flow. It's the same thing. And that lyrical thing, even up to, and so I say I stop at 92, maybe early 93, because the mission statement was always the same from 86 to 93. Be yourself. Be different, but at the same time, stick to your core vibe, but be able to be as diverse as possible on a record. Like, be able to rap about love, be able to tell a story, be able to make a, you know, some people made pop records, be able to do a pop record, be able to do a message record. Every album from 86 to 92 had those elements in the album that showed that the rapper was a diverse writer and showed diverse experiences. After 92, it was just about the genre that you represent. Gangster. Pop. You know what I'm saying? It, it, it just became the box. Most definitely Kwame. Haha. <laughs> Cool Mo D and T Rock. Those are two important artists to mention, particularly because Cool Mo D and T Rock, they were part of a group called the Treacherous Three with another member, LA Sunshine. They go back to the first wave of hip hop coming out of the Bronx. And then Cool Mo D, 
he was able to make that transition into the second wave. You know what I'm saying? With, you know, with Go See the Doctor and Wild Wild West. And those were some of the early videos. Once again, we got to play on Yo! MTV Rap. So once again, you got to see it and hear it. Big part of the golden era. And once again, T. Rock with his record, It's Yours, produced by Rick Rubin. We're going to get into this on the next episode, y'all. But T. Rock, It's Yours, that song is the beginning of Def Jam Records. Master Ace, rapper, record producer. The golden era for me, okay, I'm going to go seven years. 88 to 95. Because I can't leave 95 out. 88 to 95. Because that's when we had the most variety of types of artists, sounds of music, and everybody was still doing their own thing and not necessarily conforming to what the labels would, would, would try to make, make them do. Um, so there was still a lot of creative freedom in, in, in that time period. It wasn't until kind of like post-95 or right in the middle of 95 where... There had to be a formula. If you wanted to be on the radio, it had to be this. It had to sound like this. It had to have this in it, this element. Um, you started to see that shift. Um, and so a lot of a lot of us fell victim to, to that because we didn't want to be left out in the cold. Everybody wanted to keep their record deal. So it's like, whoa, the label's telling me if I, if, if I don't have a joint, you know, with some singing on it, I'm not going to get on the radio. And if I don't get on the radio, I'm not going to have a deal. So you saw a lot of artists trying to trying to conform to that. Um, 88 to 95, so I'm going to take a seven-year span. You know, my man Master H right here, and once again, another music video I got to direct was one for him, his song Music Man. Check it out on YouTube, by the way. Fat Joe. My true golden era of hip-hop is LL Cool J, Salt and Pepper, Heavy D. You know, that's that slick red. You know, they was doing shit. They were superstars. For one, there wasn't a lot of rappers at that time. There was just a handful. Like right now, with no disrespect, every night I watch the news, the regular news, Channel 5 News, Eyewitness News, it's like, oh, uh, an aspiring rapper did, like, you know this, we don't even know who they are, but they're rappers, right? At that time, you only had a handful that was killing them. Public enemies, the the slick ricks, the you know, the LL Cool J's, the all them, the NWA. That was that era to me. You know, I watched Slick Rick do a show one time sitting on a throne. He never got up. And everybody in the crowd sung every word and was dancing and moving and he was like well, once upon a time not long ago when people were never even got up with a crown I remember being at the Apollo and Big Daddy Kane came down from the sky on like a swing and he had two girls one on the left and the right and they had like togers on like he was Caesar they were the first marketers and that era was the first real marketing and branding. And I remember that night when I came outside, he was standing in the front of the Apollo with a 500 Benz with a body kit with the big Nefertiti on his like Bismarcky slid down a nose because he used to have picking boogers. You know what I'm saying? Like 
LL Cool J was coming out of a boombox. Madison Square Garden, a giant. I need my radio. Like, these guys, they said it all. Like I tell you, Heavy D taught Biggie had a dress. Hunter had a dress. Ross had a dress. Fat Joe had a dress. It all came from this era. You know, Two Live Crew came in that era too. It was a little bit after. There was... <laughs> them boys was doing a lot down there in Miami. You know what I'm saying? And so, to me, that's... that's To me, Fat Joe, as a fan, that's the golden era. Yes, indeed, Fat Joe. You captured a lot the way you broke that down. All them incredible groups, baby. One of so many reasons why the golden era was so special. I'm going to keep on reminding y'all, we not only got to hear it, but we got to see it. <laughs> if a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Good sleep should come naturally. And with the new Natural Hybrid mattress, it can. A collaboration between award-winning mattress brand Lisa and home design favorite West Elm, the Natural Hybrid is the culmination of these two companies' shared values. Premium materials, meticulous craftsmanship, and sustainable practices. Made with natural latex, responsibly sourced natural wool, and environmentally safe foams, the Natural Hybrid elevates your sleep sanctuary, indulges your senses, and supports a greener tomorrow. Plus, when you purchase the Natural Hybrid, you're also helping fuel Lisa's work with shelters and those in need. Since 2015, Lisa has donated more than 40,000 mattresses to ensure children and families have a safe place to sleep. Don't put off a good night's sleep any longer. Get a Lisa mattress today for a sound sleep tonight. Visit lisa.com slash iHeart. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com slash iHeart. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, snag a job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position, warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, snag a job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. So, you know, if you listen, you'll notice that many of these songs still stand the test of time. That's right. These songs, it's 20, it's 30 years old. They still sound good to this day. And now try to imagine hearing some of these songs or remember what it was like when you first heard these songs, like with your Walkman, you know, on a cassette or maybe the vinyl. Yes. Once again, truly revolutionary in the history of all music, period, 
what went down with hip-hop in the golden era. DJ Envy. 90s. 90s. Couple reasons. The 90s was the era when I was outside. And although I lived through the 80s and, and, and all that, the 90s was just different. They took hip-hop to another level with, with lyrics, with production, with tours, with merch, with style, with everything. The 90s is, 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 is the level where I think we also crossed over to mainstream. You know, I was in college at that time, so I can't take back those long rides listening to a Fuji's album, a Hov's album, or Nas album, or Nori's album. You know, we played with it a little more. <clears throat> you know, we, we, we it was a storytelling. You know, Biggie talking about, I got a story to tell, can go left, can go right, but also can make dance music. It was a time where, where we all stood together, where we went to HBCU homecomings, we went to Hamptons homecoming, went to Howard's homecoming. Nori could do body in the trunk with him and, and, and the greats going back and forth. There was nothing like the 90s era of hip hop. The 80s were great and the 80s were cool. But I think the 90s made more money, more control. The art was a lot better. It sounded better and bigger. And I just didn't feel like to this day, I don't feel like there was anything better than that, that era. R&B as well. When you talk about Mary J. Blige, you know, even the, the beginning of Usher at that time. Or you're talking about Diddy or you're talking about Nas and all that. Like, those are things that to this day you still play and it doesn't sound old. Shaheem Reed, music journalist. That late 80s, that Slick Rick, that Rakim, that KRS, that Cool G Rap, that Big Daddy Kane, changed rap. You know what I'm saying? Totally changed the game and took it up so many different levels you know what i'm saying so that that was sort of like kind of setting the stage but then i always look at the year 1994 which remember snoop and wu-tang came out at the end of 93 i think mary j blige is at the is at 93 r kelly is around that time so you so you getting hip-hop and r&b together at the same time 94 Nas came out 94 Biggie came out 94 Tupac is circulating moving around so that to me that 93 94 95 96 97 probably the biggest most influential years in hip-hop and, and you gotta say 98 too because that's when DMX came out that's when Jay-Z took over the crown of hip-hop with Hard Knock Life and Miseducation and Lauren Hill. We got the Fugees in that era. That's when not only did we see the craft go to new heights, but then it started selling. Then it started being on TV shows like 90210. Then we started getting our own record labels. Then we started getting our own fashion brands. Then we started really breaking the door and, and doing all of these Hollywood movies and TV shows. Martin Lawrence, Bad Boys, you know, Living Single, uh, LL Cool J, you know, it, it was, that's, that's when it, that's when we took over. If you want to say the late 80s is the golden era, you got to say 
the mid-90s is the platinum era. Incredible time. For real, Shaheen Reed. Man, that's exactly when we took over, baby. We did. And keep in mind, we took over the whole planet because it went global, man. People in every other language around the world, from Russia to China, all over Europe, France, the second biggest market for hip-hop since forever. We definitely took over. <laughs> and we still rocking on, rocking strong. Charlemagne the God co-host of The Breakfast Club, founder of the Black Effect Podcast Network and Media Mogul. For me, it would be 1994 and 1998. 94, I'm like, what, 88? I'm like 16 years old in 94. I'm outside a little bit. You know, you saw the rise of West Coast music. You saw Death Row, Dr. Dre, Snoop, everything that they were doing. Then it went to the East Coast and it's Wu-Tang and Nas and you know, Bad Boy and Biggie. And then, you know, Jay came around in 96. And then you saw the South start to come up in 1998. Um, actually, a little bit before that, because you had Master P and No Limit. But then like 98 was like the cash money era. Then you had everything that was coming out of Atlanta, Outkast, the Goody Mob. You know, that turned into the... Man, it's so many eras. Like, I, oh man, my, I'm gonna tell you my favorite. Era. My favorite eras was '94, '98, and um, the early 2000s with crunk music. That second golden era of New York with Wu Tang, Nas, Biggie, Jay, Black Moon. Like that was phenomenal. And then '98 when Cash Money and everybody started to come up. But the early 2000s when crunk music came in. Man, crunk music is an era that we take for granted. When crunk music was out, I was outside, outside. That's when I was in, I was, I started radio in 98. So by 2000, 2001, we, I'm in Columbia, me and my man DJ Frosty, we doing all the clubs, you know, this is Little John, Get Low. This is, you know, Crime Mob, Nuck If You Bug. This is Bone Crusher, Never Scared. You know, then the trap music era came. Jeezy, Trap or Die, T.I., Urban Legend, you know, trap music. Like, that was an unbelievable era. I'm being, now that I think about it, that was my favorite era. Uh, yes, indeed, Charlemagne. Really good point, Ray's. That crunk era, the influence from the South as it was raging on at this point, so important. So much fun on the dance floor. Wow. Crunk for show. Ice-T, actor, rapper, West Coast hip-hop pioneer. The golden era has to be when I just brought the jewels and the hoes and the bitches in. No, I mean, I can't really tell you. I think that there was a point. I say the golden era to me has to be before the internet. When you still had to buy records, when you still had to go to the store, when a million records sold meant one million people got out of their cars and went into the store and purchased your record amongst so many other records in that store, but they bought your record. It wasn't them hitting the click button. It wasn't them buying one song out of the record. They bought that album. There was a time where you almost could buy damn near every rap record out. You know, I think, you know, when Master P and them started coming out and dropping hundreds of records, that was the beginning, not the bad part, but it was the beginning. It was welcoming the, the internet era. And when the internet came, anybody could put out a record. There was no A&R and the just got flooded. 
And now it's really difficult to even know all the rappers or know what's good. It's it's just it's just flooded. Now, I'm not hating on it. I mean, Quincy Jones taught me if you want to lose a fight, fight the future. The future is what it is. So but I'm proud to be part of that era when the album covers meant something, the liner notes, the special thing. You would look and see where the record would be recorded. You try to get that same engineer. You wanted to get the same thing person to master the record. It was all that kind of. That was an era of hip hop where, you know, I thrived. I, I, I feel like I was third generation. So first generation to be unrecorded hip hop ending with the Sugar Hill Gang. Second generation's Run, LL, BC Boys, Fat Boys, Curtis Blow. Third generation, myself, Public Enemy, Rakim, that, you know, EPMD, Kane. That's where I fell in that link. By now, we're probably at 12th generation. Yes, indeed. Another really important factor, I see you're so right. Pre-internet and internet. You know what I'm saying? That transition happened in the 90s. You know, I got on AOL.com and got my first laptop in the early 90s. And I was trying to get everybody to get on this new crazy thing called the Internet. I remember when the opportunity to download a song came, money, you had to wait all day for one of them songs to, you know, to download. But it was so exciting, the ability to do this. Now, <laughs> that's how we do it, right? The playlist. A real important part of how we get our music these days, right? And another thing that we have to hope they get right is the algorithm. You know what I mean? The rhythm and the algorithm is so important to how we get our music these days. Ed Lover, rapper, actor, radio personality, and former MTV VJ. You would say that the golden era of hip-hop would be from uh, 89 to or 88 to, to, to 2000. I think some people say that's the golden era of hip-hop or 89. 89 to 2000 is that golden era. Yeah, you saw. I'd say because you really started seeing the growth of hip-hop. You saw the, the different styles come out during that time period, right? You saw it become more of a national and international music. Like, we had Nana Cherry with, you know, the Buffalo Stance, and you had different people coming in with different music. It's so worldwide now, you know, we kind of like help explore reggae music, too, because we took your on TV raps to Jamaica for the, you know, Sunsplash for a few years. So you really saw Shaba come out and Ninja come out and all of these guys become worldwide phenomena uh, along with the Nas's, the Jay-Z's, the Mob Deep, the J you know, the Biggie's, the, you know, everybody. It just it was that's when it to me, it became super creative and you had all of these amazing amazing producers starting to come through that was that era you know and really you know Nas has a huge responsibility in that because before you know LL would go in the studio with Marley and Marley would do the entire album Nas did his first album there was five six different producers on there you know the Pete Rocks and CL Smooths and and all of that going into the 90s man that that was it. You know, the Tribe Called Quest and, 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 and De La Soul. Like, nobody sounded like De La Soul. 
Nobody sounded like, you know, public enemy. Nobody. It was just that was it, man. Everybody was so super duper creative and there was room for everybody. Nobody sounded like Too Short. Nobody sounded like N.W.A. Nobody sounded like Ice Cube. Nobody sounded like Ice-T. Nobody sounded like Schooly D. Nobody sounded like Three Times Dope. Nobody, you know what I mean? It was such a creative time period. Even Jazzy Jeff in the, in the Fresh Prince, you know, it was so creative. That's why I call it the golden era. It was so damn creative. You know, look at um, look at the transition from Poobah being part of the masses of ceremony to brand new beers. You know, it, that was dumb creative. So that's why I say that's the golden era. It's the most creative time. Way more creative than now. Daddy-o, rapper, producer, deep thinker, and founding member of classic Brooklyn rap group, Stetsasonic. I think there's more than one golden era. I, I, I do believe in what people say. So I will give that golden era, first golden era, to us and Public Enemy and Dougie Fresh and MC Light. Ricky's in there, but he's with Dougie Fresh. Uh, Kid and Play's in that group. So I'm Peppers in that group. It's a few of us in there. Um, I will give it to that. Um, I think part of that is nobody talks about the Run DMC too. Um, part of that, LL Cool J, part of that is Sonics. Right? Like, 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 honestly. They've never matched us. Nothing's still better than the message I, I need to be. Nothing. No future. No, no, none of them. They, they can't beat it. Like, you know what I'm saying? And them damn Sugar Hill records was so dope and loud. It was crazy, man. So, so I think part of it is Sonics. Part of it is us just getting in the studio and getting our feet wet. And part of it is us finally, after Frankie Crocker hated on us, finally getting on the radio. But then what do you call Wayne, the, the era of Little Wayne and them fireman tapes, right? I mean, what do you call Nas and Biggie and Puff? So it's difficult for me. It's just me. Difficult for me to lay into one golden era. Daddy-O, good point. How could I leave out Lil Wayne? An important MC. Dope lyrics. Incredible skills over a long period of time. Yes, indeed. Big up Lil Wayne. A part of the onslaught from the South. Stand up and be recognized. LL Cool J. Actor. Rapper. Entrepreneur. Considered one of the best to ever do it. Man, this whole kid is golden. We 50 years in. You know, I'm going on a tour, sold out tour, God willing. Everybody's rocking. People are into it. I have my day ones waiting for my new record. I mean, everything's all golden. I understand, like, people want this year, that year. Man, listen, there's always something great happening. There's always something great happening in art. Yes, there are inflection points. Yes, there are watershed moments. That's true. You can't deny that. However, you can't be grateful for the whole ride. Because we still riding. The credits ain't rolling on the movie yet. So we don't know what chapter, you know, we don't know what the next, you know what I mean? The, the, the next act is going to be. You know what I'm saying? So I, I'm not getting caught up in like, 
what what it used to be. I'm looking at the future. I'm thinking about like, okay, how can we level this up and how can we, you know, take what we doing to another level? You know what I'm saying? You know, show people what's possible. Ah, uh, yeah. So the golden era definitely <laughs> was so important to so many people, and and for sure, it went from gold into platinum. But that golden era was so important for so many reasons that you heard on this episode. So let me share my golden era. Without question, for me, that begins in 1988 when me hosting Yo MTV Raps begins. Um, You just go back and look at some of the records that came out in 1988 and you'll see what I mean. For me, the ending of the golden era happened in Harlem and it's a photo. Once again, hit Google and search a great day in hip hop. This was a photo that was done to be a cover. It was a three page fold out cover of Double XL magazine. And they had the brilliant idea to get one of my inspirations on the creative renaissance tip, the amazing photographer, filmmaker, and everything else creative just about Gordon Parks. They got Gordon Parks, who was in his 80s at the time, to recreate a famous photo done in Harlem at the same location back in the 1950s. They got about 50 jazz legends showed up in front of this brownstone in Harlem and took this incredible photo. Art Kane was the photographer. They got the idea to do a hip hop version. They got Gordon Parks and nearly 200 hip hop pioneers from Cool Herc, people from Atlanta, Jermaine Dupree, people from Cali people from Texas. It was an incredible representation of hip-hop at that moment. The date was September 29th, 1998. And when you pull up that photo online and take a good close look at everybody was there, that to me was the end of the golden era because that was the beginning now of people from different places around the country, from the South, Atlanta, Texas, Florida, all these different states stepped up made hits, and got their piece of the hip-hop rock. So the energy, once again, born, bred, college green, fed in these streets in New York City, it was time for it to break out, leave home, and go across the country and around the world. And when I looked at that photo, I realized this would never happen again, and this for sure was the ending of the golden era, and then for sure we moved into platinum. <laughs> and wherever we are now, the golden era, this is a fun episode, so many great records. After this, um, I'm switching over, and I'm getting ready to pull up a bunch of these songs that were mentioned, and I'm about to take it back like an 8-track. <laughs> and that's it, baby. I'll see y'all on the next episode. The next episode the 50 Years of Hip Hop podcast series, man, we're going to explore the extraordinary story of the world's most influential hip hop label and its creators, Rick Rubin, Russell Simmons, the story of Def Jam Records. This episode has been executive produced by Dolly S. Bishop, hosted and produced by your boy, Fab Five Freddy, produced by Aaron A. King Howard, edit, mix, sound by Dwayne Crawford, Music scoring by Trey Jones. Talent booking by Nicole Spence. 
If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. What's up, y'all? Janice Torres here. And I'm Austin Hankwitz. We're the hosts of Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories, a podcast presented by iHeartRadio's Ruby Studios and Intuit QuickBooks. Join us as we speak with small business owners about the tools they use to turn their ideas into success. From finding that initial spark of entrepreneurship to organizing payments and invoices, we've got you covered. So follow and listen to Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah. And some waves. So we could go surfing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I love that. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, can a girl go shopping? Yeah, baby. Wait. Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com.